unplug my headphones now and charge my phone. Cool. Way to record that. Nice. You charge your phone, bro. You do what you gotta do. Okay. We'll maybe cut that. See what happens there. Okay. Welcome to Practical Rambling Fathers, the Lion King Retreat. Finally oh, yeah. made it to Ash Wednesday. Hopefully you guys are all having a good Ash Wednesday. Go get your ashes. Go to Mass. Uh, yep. But today, first thing we want to talk about, and we're not actually going to cite anything from Lion King, is just talking about who God is. Attributes of God. Um, and different perceptions of God that we have uh, that we might not recognize or not in fact actually who God says he is. And so... First, we're just going to name a few of the things that our, our viewpoint of God could be um, because of our own woundedness or our own understanding of who God is through our own experience. Um, just humbly uh, name those and, uh, and then go into who, God, who, who does God say that he is uh, through scripture versus who we say he is, which is... Uh, could be wrong and could be right. So we want to know what who God is uh, from his perspective, from his revelation to us in Scripture and in the church. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Father Tay, sure. who's going to talk about attributes of God. So what Brian, Father Brian really meant to say was, we're going to talk about the misconceptions of God. Well, you know, misconceptions, who God is, okay. Exactly. So there's there's a lot of things that play to this factor, right? Um, it can be uh, dealt with a lot of our backgrounds, with our own family, with our own friends, with our own fathers. And so as, as I go, uh, don't be quick to dismiss them, but really bring it to the forefront. Because God might be asking you during this Lenten retreat to go deeper, to go there, to ask for that special healing. So number one, a lot of us grew up with the fact that God is this, you know, um, Executioner, right? He's always looking wow. out to Dang. punish us. I, I, that's like the old Protestant. You know, that's like the old Protestant, right? We are the sinners, and God is this perfect judge. And so, if we don't abide by His laws, then we're punished. So, we view everything that happens in our lives that we didn't pray enough, um, sickness happens to our family because it was my fault or it was my mistake. You know, those are the things that fall into that. Or the other one could be, too, is that God is just uh, tyrant, right? He does what he wants. He doesn't really take into consideration what his children are going through. Because if you look at the Old Testament, you see God telling his uh, people, God, to go and annihilate all these people. But there's not really enough evidence of God to say why he did that. And so it's easy for us to fall into that trap as well. Or we can see God as a controlling father. Right? The one that confines our liberty, he's always the one dictating what we can do or what we cannot do. And so that taints our relationship of who the Father really he's is. more worried about being good or task-oriented. Versus... Exactly. And then this fits into what a lot of young, what a lot of young generations are falling into, is this perfectionism, right? That I have to earn my Father's love. I don't know him that well, and so... We fall into this type of bargaining God, right? If I bargain well, then he might be able to hear me. If I say the correct prayers, 
then they, then I was able to have this favorable outcome. There's many more misconceptions misconceptions of who God is, but these are the the main few ones that we know to be very prevalent in today's world. Yeah. And then another, we can kind of go into this too. Is um, I forget who was the one that said it, but that God is deistic, therapeutic, and moralistic. So okay. That the God that we that we associate with. He's deistic, which is a early heresy that says God started the world and backed away from it, and just time is revealing itself as it goes. Exactly. So he's not intimately involved at all with every day, not sustaining it, but not really playing any key role um, in it. He's just watching it from afar. So that distant, that God is ever distant, he's not actually present to his people. And then uh, therapeutic, the therapeutic realm of I go to God when it makes me feel good, when I feel exactly. good. Yep. So, or or, or I, I go to God because I want to drop these frustrations and then he's supposed to solve everything for me. Right. Yep. I go to him with my mess and he's going to fix it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Or it's only when I feel bad. The other, uh, the other extreme of this is like I only yep. go to God when I feel bad. So I only pray, or I only go to church, or I only do X when I feel like I need to. Exactly. Um, That's so a repentance, the false repentance there. Right. The therapeutic part of it's me, not God for God. It's me and uh, me trying to feel better versus just going to God for God's sake and then um, moralistic so this is especially where our world is at I feel like more than anything is God is the one that tells us if it's right or wrong and if it's right it's right and if it's wrong it's wrong and if he wanted to do it differently he could have but he didn't um and in our world, he's moralistic, and he's only moralistic if I agree with him. So if I disagree with what God is saying is wrong, I think it's right. Well, then why would I... Uh, yeah, why would I go about that life? Um, so, it, again, it has to do with that moralistic of, of being right and wrong versus seeing, you know, that we are... Um, created by God in his image and likeness um, to do the Beatitudes and to not choose death, which is the Ten Commandments. That's what Moses says. This is death and this is life. Choose life. So those are just different perceptions uh, that we have out there in our modern world that we just want to make you aware of, uh, of of in our brokenness, who do we see God to be? Um, though all of these are um, somewhat valid to our experience, um, we're going to invite you to subject your subjective experience of life into the objective truth, uh, which is Scripture, which is letting God say who He is via who He is. So, with that, we're going to go through a few attributes of God from Scripture, doing some citing of different 
verses uh, and passages and what exactly, uh, who exactly God is via who God reveals himself to be. So these are the 14 attributes. The first one is uh, we find in Psalm uh, 103e, verse 8, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Which means... That means like God, God's always looking at us with eyes of love. He knows that we're weak, and so he reaches out for love. He always loves us first, never judges us. His heart comes from a merciful heart that says, You are my children. I've called you separately to be my own. And so when you fall away from me, I'll do everything I can to bring you back through love, mercy, and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then we have um, from Ephesians, Ephesians 1.7, we have... Um, in him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of the graces of God. God is just and holy, and he acts as operating of grace and mercy is because he sent his only son, Jesus, out of love and mercy to save us from our sins. Jesus comes to die for us, and through that sacrifice, God is able then to forgive us of our sins, and to bring us into his loving heart and his mercy. And his mercy. Right, and he's utterly other, so he's just and holy, so he's utterly out there. But in Jesus, he comes close and near to us and is able to remain holy and just because of Jesus. And then we have uh, Luke 1, 40, verse 49. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Meaning, meaning, once again, God is just and holy because of his excellence and his nature. God is all good, true, and beautiful. So everything that he does acts out from his goodness. He cannot go against himself. And so that's why when he loves us, he loves us out of the goodness of his heart, out of his his operation of grace that he's given to us, the goodness of God. Yes, he has moral excellence, so he is always going to be the mighty one, <clears throat> or he always is, always has been the moral uh, excellence, so he's the absolute moral excellence. So then we also hear in Scripture that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that's found in Hebrews thirteen eight. And what does that mean, Father Tay? That means that God never changes. So when he makes when he makes a promise to us, that means he will always be faithful. Even though we can be unfaithful to him, he cannot be unfaithful to us. He will always be there. And he carries out his promises because he never changes. Yep, and that's really important when it comes to uh, our identity, which we'll get to in a few weeks. But if he never changes, does that mean our identity never changes? Uh, maybe. Um, our identity could possibly never change. So anyways, ponder that. All right, and then the next one we have um, from Deuteronomy 32, verse 4. He is a rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Hmm. This is a... 
this is a hard one to hear sometimes, but it's true. It means that because of the goodness of his nature, he will always act in a way that corresponds to who he is as a holy God, a perfect God, a just God. And so sometimes in our lives, when things don't happen the way that we want it to be, we just assume then that, you know, that God is not being just or he's not being fair. But he is. That's what scriptures has often said. He cannot do things which would deny himself or of who he is. So if he makes a just promise, he'll carry it through. He'll carry it through. Yep. Where are we at here? Deuteronomy 32. All right. First letter of John. Chapter 4, verse 16. God is love. Yay, God is love. God is loving because of his nature and not because of anything we do uh, to elicit his love. His love is expressed in actions towards us. Our very life is a sign of God's love to us. Our sustainment of our life our waking up in the morning is God's love for us. Regardless exactly. if we asked for it or not, that's his nature. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like to say he first loved us. God Ooh. loves us so much. You know, Ooh. he, uh, what does it say? Scripture, he doesn't need our praise, but because he knows that we are loved when we are able to show him some sort of love on our parts, so he accepts that love. And because he is love, he's willing to receive that love and to give that love back freely. And then we hear from Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 17. You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. This means that God is all-powerful. In our own minds, we sometimes project our own ideas of how God should act, and that's limiting God. And so because he doesn't answer the prayers that that we want him to answer, it doesn't mean he's not all-powerful. He's doing a way that will bring about a greater good. That will present a way of salvation for you, your family, and your friends. And so that's why uh, when when it says God is omnipresent, you know, when God's omnipotent, he's... It's this unlimited power and, and ability to do all of these things for love of us. Yep. And we hear um, that God's omnipresence, God is omnipresent, so he's always present. So he's not deistic. He doesn't run into the background after he starts the world. But because he is present everywhere in the universe, at the same time, he is never absent. Um, I am the only God nearby. So, you can go on. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, So this goes into the heart of the lie of like, where is God when I need him the most? He's always there in good times and in bad. Because he has created everything, he exists in it and also outside of it. And I like what you said, Father Brian, said he, he isn't just the one who makes things and just sits in the sideline and waits for us. No, 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 no. He's already making things with us and in us, right? So that's how, how actively he's a part of our lives. Ever creating and allowing us to co-create with him. The other thing that happens is um, 
another important distinction is he's he's not pan what is it pantheistic pantheistic god is not in everything yep god is always present and creating and sustaining being but he is not actually the being itself so he's not inside of a door he's not inside of a table he's not inside of a tree he's not He's inside of us through baptism, which is super cool. Holy Spirit in us. Don't you know your temples of the Holy Spirit? Love it. Thanks, St. Paul. But God is not in creation, per se. It points to him, but he's not in it. So he's not a pantheist. We're not pantheists, so he's not in creation itself. Though, like I said, creation points to him. So, All right, Taylor, you uh, go number nine. And it says, uh, declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? A little bit of Jeremiah 30, 23, 23 through 34. 24. Yeah. And then God is, what's that word? Omniscient. No, number 11. Omniscient. Omniscient. There we go. God is omniscient because of his ultimate knowledge of wisdom. You know when I sit and when I stand and when I rise. You perceive perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. That's Psalm 139, verse 2 to 4. Mm. Do you never need a good psalm to pray with? 139 is a good go-to. It's awesome. If we're humbly submitting ourselves to who we are in God's eye, that's a beautiful one. It also is the one that has the Lord knit me together in my mother's womb. Before a day came about, he knew it through and through. And then uh, we have God is righteous because he does what is right and is free from any wrongdoing. And we get that from Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving towards all he has made. The real sense that anything that is broken or anything that is wounded in us is because of our own free will or because of other people's free will. Though God gave us the gift of free will so that we can actually choose to live him, hence the freedom of love, to love him back. Um, but that does not mean that we do that perfectly by no means. So, um, But he himself is free from all wrongdoing, and he himself can only bring our wrongdoing back to himself um, and make it better than if it never happened, which we can talk about at some point. So God is sovereign because he rules securely over all creation. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? This is Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. God is truthful because in accordance with his nature, he cannot lie. For the faith, and then we hear from scripture, the faith, for the faith of God's elect, the knowledge of truth, leads to all godliness. 
of faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life which God, who does not lie, promises before the beginning of time. And that would be Titus chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. So those are the different attributes, a few different attributes of God, just trying to give you a perspective of who God is before we even get into this. Um, so yeah, just ponder, I guess, ponder, uh, can ever be grown because once when we think we can't grasp God, we don't have him. Yep. So That's right. these are just attributes of God that help us to enter into the mystery of who God is um, without actually ever being able to capture that even when we see him as he is. Father Tay, any other uh, closing remarks you got? Um, just really pray about it and see which ones resonate with you the most. And sometimes these are the, are the ones that God wants to heal you and to give you a better picture of who He is. And that's probably the most powerful prayer experiences that you will get on this Lenten retreat. If you really put the work and effort into becoming really authentic with God and revealing things deep about yourself, but also to be receptive, to listen, to be honest when He answers you. Yeah, right. To allow the Lord to use this time to heal our idea of who He is and to really go to battle in us of that. I like how you said that. That's great. Um, so stay tuned for the next Lenten uh, retreat topic, which is why is world and what is the world? So please uh, stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to us. We pray that these Lenten topics will be a beautiful journey for you on this Lenten retreat, especially through Lion King. Um, there's a lot of deep uh, symbols that's going to happen for you, so continue to open your hearts and really use this time to go closer to Christ. Yeah. Uh, may God's love be always be near you, and thank you for listening to the Practical Rambling Fathers. Boom! Catch you later. Bye!